we're having some church now. Come on, that's one of my all-time favorites. Anybody else? Two of us that grew up in the 80s. Yeah, hey, if you're coming back online, welcome back. We did just watch a scene from The Karate Kid. It was the final scene where Daniel wins the All-Valley Tournament by using the infamous crane kick, right? Hey, okay, well, real quick, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles with you, 1 Peter chapter 1, and while you're turning, I'm just curious, um, by show of hands, how many of you dudes are around your 40s now, um, but when you were a kid, after you saw this movie, you just started crane kicking everything in life? Come on. I saw this movie when I was five years old. My family rented it, brought it home, and I've been crane kicking everything in life ever since. I wanted to be Daniel LaRusso so bad when I was a little kid. Um, I got the Karate Kid pajamas, ran around my house. Um, I even took an old pillowcase and a blue marker, and I cut that thing up and made my own Karate Kid headband. It was tight. Okay, but here's what's interesting, though. Um, the older I get and the longer I follow Jesus, um, there's another character in the movie that I've started to admire, maybe even a little bit more, Mr. Miyagi. Come on, and listen, it's not that I didn't know he was awesome. I always knew he was awesome. But last year during COVID, um, I introduced my two boys to the original Karate Kid trilogy for the first time. And that was the first time it really ever stood out to me. Like, if you have seen this movie before, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but, um, man, at the heart of this thing, listen, get, get past all the, you know, awesome 80s hair and the sweet karate moves. The, really, this is really the story of a young man who needed a father. I had never noticed this before, but I saw it. Listen, it's the story of a loving, humble, compassionate, wise, brave, generous man who adopted a fatherless son as his own. It's a total father-son story. Okay, in fact, think about the clip we just saw in the last couple of seconds of it. Yes, Daniel won the tournament, but did you see the look on Mr. Miyagi's face? I mean, just beaming with pride. Now, contrast that with the other father figure we saw in that scene. Do you remember what the other father figure said to Johnny about halfway through that fight? Do you remember the look on his face? And you remember what he said? No mercy. We'll come back to that. All right, but so are you seeing the heart of this whole thing? Listen, it, it is a, it's not just about karate. It is a total father-son story. It's about their relationship, which I believe is part of the reason we love this movie so much because you cannot watch this movie and not love the relationship that Daniel gets to have with Mr. Miyagi. I mean, it started with Mr. Miyagi fixing his bike, if you've seen it. Then he stepped in and beat up like six teenagers as they were beating up Daniel, which he would go to prison for now as an adult, but it was the 80s, so who really cares? Right? It was all good back then. Um, Then he started teaching Daniel karate while also simultaneously teaching him valuable life skills and principles. Wax on, wax off. Paint the fence. All that stuff, right? Then he gave him a pristine vintage car, which is like the best dad move ever. Then he stood beside him through thick and thin all the way through the tournament and beyond. And through it all, Mr. Miyagi opens up 
not just his heart, but he opens up his home to Daniel more and more, and he truly becomes the father that Daniel never had. And so some of you might be starting to see where I'm going with this. But family, we, we love movies like this because they speak so clearly to perhaps our biggest need of all. In fact, it's a need that is deeply intertwined into the soul of every human being. Listen to me. We need and were created for relationship with not just any father, but the perfect father. Come on, listen to me. Even the best dads out there still can't give us everything we need. You with me? And so look, I know that when we begin to talk about relationships with our fathers, um, I know that it can be painful for some of us, if, if not many of us. I know there are probably lots of us here in the room um, who have not had good relationships with our dad. Maybe some of us who did not have a relationship at all with our dad. And so I want you to hear me, though. Listen, I really am sorry for those of us that ex have experienced that. Okay, I really am. And yet, still, the truth is, even if you had a great dad in life, it seems that every human still experiences some level of wounding from our earthly fathers. Because again, they simply cannot give us everything that we truly need. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to live our lives like victims and just stay wounded our whole lives. God can heal all wounds, all right? And, and this also means men, listen, just because we can't be everything we need to be ultimately for our kids, it doesn't mean we somehow ditch our dad duties. No, we still go all in. But listen, I hate to say it. Even if we are trying to be the best or the perfect dad to our kids or even the perfect parent to our kids, as sinners, listen, you and I simply aren't capable of being everything they were truly created for. Okay, which again, that is relationship with the perfect father. It's what all of us were created for. Only God the Father can be that and give that to us. And so listen to me very carefully, family. I'm going for it right here. Here's the really good news. No matter what your life has been like, there is not a single person that has to miss out on getting that need fulfilled. There's not a single person that needs to miss out on relationship with him. He is and has everything that you need, and he wants to give it to you. Maybe you didn't have the best relationship with your dad. Good news, he still wants to be the perfect dad for you. Maybe you lived a life far from God. Good news, he still wants to be the perfect father that's close to you now. Maybe you've not been the best parent to your kids. He still wants to be the best dad ever to you. Maybe you've grown up in church your whole life, or maybe you've worked so hard your whole life to try to do all the right things and be good so that you could win your dad's approval, but nothing ever seemed to be good enough. Good news! The father still wants to be the best father, the perfect father ever for you, and it is not based on how well you will perform for him. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, where you've been, he wants to be your Mr. Miyagi. That sounded better on paper than it actually just came out right now. 
That really undersells it, doesn't it? But you know what I mean, right? Okay, family, can I just tell you, um, if I could pinpoint the heart of what I believe God just wants to say to us today, listen, God the Father loves you. We'll talk about this, but I know from experience what it's like to question that. But you listen to me today. Here's the heartbeat of what God wants to say. He loves you. The Father loves you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to put his arms around you. He wants to heal you. He wants to give you joy. He wants to equip and empower you. He wants to open up his heart and his entire home to you. He wants to be your true, loving dad. And yet, why is it that even though there's many of us here in the room who would say we are Jesus followers, um, why is it that we often struggle to grasp our relationship with the Father? You know what I'm talking about? Listen, because I don't think I'm off when I say this, but even here in church, for those of us that love Jesus, it's not that we would say we don't love the Father, but when we think of the Father, oftentimes we don't picture ourselves as close to Him as we do to Jesus. Is that right? And yet, theologically speaking, it is not a stretch by any means to say that the whole reason Jesus came was so that through him, you and I could actually be adopted as God the Father's kids and have relationship with him the same exact way Jesus does. I mean, think about it. For God the Father loved the world so much that he gave his son. So that we can be in relationship with him too. Family, you need to know, this whole book, this whole book is the story of a loving, humble, compassionate, wise, brave, generous father who's trying to save all the lost kids in the world. Okay, it started as a true father-son story back in a garden, but the first son rebelled and every kid afterward has done the same thing. And so this book goes on to tell the love story of how the father gave up everything he has to go and save every lost kid he can until it finally ends with a boatload of adopted kids living in peace and paradise with their father for all of eternity. That's this book. Okay, so listen, don't think for a second that you have bigger needs in life than relationship with the Father. I know we've all got needs. Do not think for a second that you have bigger needs than that one right there. That's your biggest need. It's what you and I were created for. And yet, even though it is available now to all of us through Jesus, why do we often struggle to experience the fullness and the power of that relationship in our everyday lives. Okay, well, there's, there's at least two reasons for why that is. Okay, and here's the first one. Follow me. Um, it's because we tend to misunderstand who the Father really is. We tend to misunderstand what he's really like. Follow me, family. Listen, all of us tend to project the experiences, or not the experiences, 
that we had with our earthly father onto the father. We project those things onto him. For example, if your dad was absent or distant for much of your life, you will be tempted. It's much easier for you to be tempted to believe that the father is distant from you. If your dad was quick to get angry or harsh, it will be much easier for you to be tempted to think that the father is quickly angered by you. If you lived your life trying so hard to win your dad's approval and nothing was ever good enough, though, it will be very easy for you to believe that nothing you do is ever good enough to win God's approval or, or his love for you. We project the experiences we've had with our earthly fathers onto the father. Now, here's the positive side of that, though. Okay, If your dad was close and loving, and dads, listen up for those of us that are dads right now, because think about what this could mean for our kids. If your dad was close and loving, then it's easier to picture the father being close and loving to you now. If your dad laughed with you a lot and hugged you a lot, then it's much easier to picture the father smiling at you and putting his arms around you now. Okay, but again, most of us tend to project any hurt that we experience from our earthly fathers into our relationship with the father. Okay, but here's the second reason we tend to struggle in our relationships with the Father. It's because there's another Father figure out there in the world, and he is constantly lying to us about what the Father is really like, trying to distort our image of him. Family, I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know that the Bible actually refers to Satan as a father? Watch this. This is John 8, verse 44. Jesus is describing Satan, and watch what he says about him. He says, he, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the, the what? The father of lies. Family, there's this other father figure out there, and he's constantly lying to us about what God is truly like. God the Father, all in an effort to keep us from God the Father. He especially loves to use the experiences that we had or the lack of experiences that we had with our earthly dads to try to get us to project that onto the Father and believe lies about what the Father is really like. Okay, for example, again, perhaps some of us had dads who were quick to get angry. Well, then here's what Satan loves to lie about. He loves to lie when you mess up and say, ooh, mm, yeah, you, you messed it up. And God, oh, you, he's so angry with you right now. Mm, he does not want to be close to you right now. You gotta, mm, you're going to have to work to get back into relationship with him. Okay, but listen to me. That's a lie. That's a lie. Listen, just because your dad may have been that way, it does not mean the father is that way. And how do we know that's a lie? Because we got the truth right here. Listen, and this is just one of the truths right here about the father. But watch, Psalm 103.8 says, watch this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry. How many know his slowness is way better than our slowness? 
The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And yet, Satan loves to use our experiences. He loves to lie to us based on those things that we've had with our earthly fathers to convince us that our heavenly father must be just like the way our dad has been. Okay, but that's not all, okay? So not only is Satan the father of lies, um, but in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible has another sort of name. kind of refers to Satan as something else. In Revelation 12, verse 10, the Bible refers to Satan as the accuser of the brothers and the sisters. In other words, day and night, he accuses God's kids of all their wrongdoing. So right here. Day and night, he accuses God's kids of all their wrongdoing. I wonder if anybody here knows what it's like to be accused by him. I guarantee you do. Listen, it always, always starts with a lie followed by the thing he accuses you of. So it kind of sounds like this. Um, hey, um, God could never love you. That's the lie. And then watch this. Because, because of what you did. Because of what you said. Because of what you watched. Because of where, where you went. Because of how you're living now. Because of who you are. God could never love you, there's the lie, and then fill in the accusation. Okay, but now listen to me very carefully, gathering family, because there's at least two lies that Satan just said about God the Father when he accuses us like that, okay? Listen, the first lie is that God could never love you. That's a lie because the truth is God could never not love you. The Bible says God is love, okay? But here's the second lie, and it's it's not actually directly spoken, it's implied. Watch this, okay? Here's, here, here's what he does, okay? God could never love you because you did this or you did that. Okay, well, here, here's what that's implying. Here's the lie that's implying about God the Father. That God the Father has no mercy and compassion on his kids when they sin. First lie, God doesn't love you. Here's the implied lie, because you did this, which implies that God the Father has no compassion and mercy for his kids when they sin. Are you following me? Okay, but how do we know that's a lie? Because we just saw two seconds ago that the Lord is filled with compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, full of unfailing love. It's not who our Father is. But that's what Satan wants you to believe. But now, listen, there was an implied lie about you as well in the midst of that accusation. Here's the implica implication that God could not love you. Listen, not just because of what you did. Not just because you said this or watched this or did this. Um, but here's where Satan always tries to take it. Because what you did, no, 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 he can't love you because of who you are. He's always trying to lead us to where we'll identify with the sin that we've committed. That God can't love you because you are that sin. No, you listen to me. That, that's a lie. 
You are not your sin. You are God's kid. So you have to see this, okay? There's only one ounce of truth, believe it or not, that Satan speaks to us when he accuses us. And it's this truth right here that you have sinned. That's the truth. We are sinners. That is the truth. The rest of what he says, though, is a pack of lies straight from hell. But even with that truth right there that he speaks about the fact that we've sinned, there's a greater truth. And the truth is that Jesus has paid for it. And so if you and I have given our lives to Jesus, then God the Father no longer holds, us against, holds it against us. It's been taken care of, so Satan has no right to accuse us of it anymore. Family, I hope you're seeing this, but we really do have the most loving, the most humble, gracious, brave, wise, compassionate, merciful, generous father. He's the perfect father. And there's not a single one of us who have to miss out on that relationship. Um, I'll just be real though. So even after I got saved, um, I struggled for several years to just truly believe that God loved me. And for, for years, just struggling, just off and on, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm being good right now. He loves me, and then anything goes wrong. Man. And listen, I know there's many that can relate to that, and I'll just tell you, it's a miserable place to be in your relationship with God. And God doesn't want that for you. So I remember being in the midst of a worship service in 2010. Just trying. I just wanted, I wanted to worship the Lord. But it's like Satan was right there, just accusing me. How many of you can relate to this in a worship service? No, 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 no. No, God doesn't want to hear from you right now. No, no, no. You, you need to tamp that down. Remember, because what you did, what you saw, what you said, you lied, you stole this, you did it, you, you, you just, hmm. Just accusation after accusation. I felt awful. I just remember just, just with my hands lifted, just, man, I got to worship the Lord. I'm telling you, it was in that moment. I will never forget this. This was a turning point in my life. It's like God the Father just broke through and showed up right in the midst of that. It's like out of nowhere. I'm, I'm serious. I, I really felt like his arms just got wrapped around me. And with mercy and compassion in his voice, I heard him speak these words loud and clear to my heart. Brandon, I love you. Okay? But I was feeling so miserable. Here's what I said back. Here's what I asked. But why, God? Why do you love me? And here's what he said. Some of you need to hear this, men and women. He said, because you're my son. 
Some of you are struggling to believe that God really loves you. Listen to me. Are you his kid or not? Have you given your life to Jesus? You're his kid. He loves you. Family, that was a turning point in my life. Okay, and I've had many failures and many things I could be accused of since then. But ever since that day, listen, the truth overcame the lies that day. Ever since then, even if I'm feeling awful, I can go back to the truth and remind myself, nope, God loves me no matter what. He loves me no matter what, and I'm not my sin. I am God's kid. I belong to him. And listen, I remind myself of this too. Therefore, the Bible says he will never abandon me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Some of you need to hear that because sadly you experienced something different from your earthly father and you keep projecting that onto the father. But are you his kid or not? He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. If you will begin to believe that, the truth, it will begin to change everything. Because get this, I mean, it hasn't been perfect, and that's on me, but my relationship with the perfect father has been growing and growing ever since that day. We're like Daniel's son and Mr. Miyagi. Again, that sounded better on paper. Okay, here's what you need to see, though. Okay, how did I start growing in my relationship with the Father? Follow me. God spoke the truth, and when I believed that truth, it overcame the lies I was previously believing about the Father. It's just like Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Okay, so listen to me, family. If you struggle with your image of the Father, and therefore, if you're struggling with close relationship with Him, okay, here's how you overcome that. You begin to reject the lies today. You got to crane kick those things. I'm telling you, and you start believing the truth. Okay, so then, listen, if we struggle with projecting our own earthly experiences with our, with our fathers onto our heavenly father, and if the biggest lie we tend to face in our relationship with the father is God could never love you because you did this, because you are this, etc. Listen, then let's do this, okay? There's, you, you need to be in this word. There's so much truth about him. Okay, but let's do this. Let's look at some of the truth about the father, about what the Bible says, who he, who he really is, so that we can stop projecting and see what he's really like so that we can get free from that lie as well. Are you with me? Okay, so if you got your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 1, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's not put the points up quite yet, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, and I've got four crazy quick points, okay? But they're all pulled directly from scriptures. Okay, and listen, these points are the truth. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, I would encourage you to write these down, or you better get these written down at some point today. Because, listen to me, here's what's going to happen. Um, you and I are still going to face many failures in life and many moments of accusation where it's going to be really important for us to be able to remind ourselves of the truth of who the Father really is so that we don't have to be overcome by lies and get our relationship with him interrupted all over again. Amen? You guys ready? Okay, here we go. Here's point number one. Here's how we know that God is a loving 
compassionate, humble, wise, brave, and generous Father. Here we go. He made a way for us to be reborn. You listen to me. A cruel, uncompassionate, mean, angry Father would never do this for us. 1 Peter chapter 1, watch, picking up in verse 3. It says, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his what? Great mercy. This is not an angry father. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, if you've given your life to Jesus, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, we know that's love because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but this is also compassion, this is mercy, this is grace, this is generosity, this is courage, this is wisdom, it's all of it. He gave Jesus for us. Okay, but listen, why, why is being born again, or we say reborn a lot around here, why is that such a big deal? Why, why, why is that such a big deal? Because God's original intention for you and me and all of mankind was for us to live in perfect relationship with the perfect Father, but our sin and rebellion means we've now lived lives worthy of death instead. Okay, but because of God's great mercy, Jesus died to pay for our sins, and then God raised him back to life, which means there's now no need for you and me to die and stay dead apart from God. There's no longer any need for God to remain angry with us. Instead, now, when we give our lives to Jesus, we're then given brand new life in him, or you could say we're reborn as God's kids just like Jesus. The Bible says we're no, longer, we're no longer subject to his wrath, but rather we be, now become the objects of his joy and affection. In other words, we get to be relationship, we get to be in relationship now with the perfect Father, which fulfills our greatest need in life because it's precisely what we were created for in the first place. Through Jesus, he recreates us to have it now, which leads to number two. He gives us an inheritance. That is, I don't know if you know much about inheritances, but inheritances are only for the kids. It's only for the children. Listen to me. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. Now we live with great expectation in this relationship with the Father, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change, and decay. This is crazy, y'all, but here's how good the Father is. His plan, and he's already doing it now, but his plan is to share everything he has with us. There's not a single thing he's going to hold back from his kids. Listen to me, it's not just that we will inherit eternal life, and that would be enough. It's not just that we will inherit heaven and that would be enough. No, the Father is sharing every good thing with us, his kids. Which leads to number three. He protects us. He protects us. Watch this. This is all right here in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 5 says, and through your faith, okay, your faith, my faith now, through your real life relationship with God now, it says, God is protecting you like a good dad should do with his kids. God is protecting you by his power 
until you receive this salvation, or you could say the fullness of the inheritance he's going to give us, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad now. Be truly glad. It's right now. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Remember, God is protecting you. These trials, though, they will show that your faith is genuine, that you really have believed the truth about who God is, and so you're living according to that truth more and more. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Which leads to our last point, number four. Well, some of us need this one. He gives us his approval. He gives us his approval. I'm going to invite the band to make their way up here. Okay, listen to me. Some of us have been working so hard our entire lives. to try to win our dad's approval. Some of us don't even realize how deeply intertwined that thought process is into the choices we continue to make in life today. Even as adults, we're still trying to prove to dad that we're worthy of his pride, that we're worthy of his love, that we're worthy of his approval. Your father, your father in heaven, he approves. Watch this right here. Verse 7, so when your faith remains strong through many trials. Okay, in other words, when your relationship with God, the Father, remains strong through many trials, when that remains strong, watch, this is crazy. It will bring you. It will bring you. This is crazy. Much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In other words, you're going to receive the Father's approval in a very public way. Okay, real quick though, um, I know if you're not careful, some of you could have just looked at that and been like, wait a second though, that still sounds performance-based. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's going to have to keep my faith strong in him. Okay, well, don't forget the fact that he's protecting you through it all. Okay, but listen to me. Listen, this is what the Father asks of you and me, that we follow Jesus no matter what. And you might say, that's a big ask. It is. Okay, but listen to me. Here's the other thing he asks. When we fail to follow Jesus no matter what, that we repent. that we repent, that we come back to the relationship. But in other words, the Father isn't expecting you and me to be perfect. He just wants us to trust and commit to and rely upon Him, the perfect Father in Jesus, who was perfect for us. He wants us to put our faith in Him. And when we do fail, or when we do sin, or when we don't perform well, He just wants us to repent, which by the way, that's also an act of faith. And here's the truth. Here's how good our Father is. Bailey, He's the only one who's truly worthy of 
praise and honor and glory. Amen? And yet here's what we just read, that when our faith remains strong, it will bring us, okay, but, but when it says it, who's gonna be the one bringing us the praise and the honor and glory? The Father, he will bring you. Much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In other words, the Father's gonna tell you creation at the same time he's going to say this is my kid I approve I'm proud I love him with all I got I want him to have everything that's mine he's the perfect father family he is everything you were created for he wants to be and he wants to give you everything you need. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.